0: Uh, sermon series today, Things We Might Have Missed. We've looked at Jude. Maybe that's a book that you've skipped over. We've looked at the book of Numbers, and today we're in the book of Revelation. And listen, there's, there's a lot of reasons maybe we don't spend enough time in that book. We just think maybe it's, it's all about this, as Renee said, symbolism and numbers and the future, and, and there's not enough of a practical word there, and yet there's so much there. In the letter to the churches and elsewhere about how the bride of Christ is to prepare herself as we see in this scripture. Maybe we don't look to it because we think it's just so confusing. Just all of that imagery and we don't know what to to do with that. I read one commentary this week that the first title in his commentary to the book of Revelation was the strange book. And it is. Bob, Big Ten guy or SEC guy? SEC. just me. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to talk about college wrestling, but okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> steak sauce guy or not? No, no steak sauce. Okay. Uh, now, there are probably seven categories for interpretation of the book of Revelation, but in Ligonier Ministries, and there are four prime ways to interpret this book, preterist, uh, historicist, idealist, futurist, which would you be? Yeah, that's why I I pegged you as an idealist guy. All right, so we're going to go around. Who's pre-trib? Who's post-mill? That's confusing stuff, right? How do I get my head around that? I opened Twitter, which is not a good thing to do on a Sunday morning after college football, right? But I had looked at it last night. It was still on my phone. So when I turn turn off my alarm this morning, I open up my phone, and there's Twitter. Do you know what's sitting there? It's 2,000 years. A Nazarene pastor. It's 2,000 years. We haven't figured out all the when stuff in Revelation. Maybe that's not the point. There's so much here about the who. I know it's confusing, but we don't want to miss Jesus. We don't want to miss more red-letter words in this book than in any other book of the Bible except for the Gospels. You want to hear what Jesus says? You want to see his heart, what he thinks? Go to Revelation. He's talking throughout the entire book. You don't want to miss the beautiful name of Jesus. I think it's 36. 36 different names and titles ascribed to Christ. He that is holy and true. The faithful witness. The first begotten of the dead. The prince of the kings of the earth. The Alpha and Omega. The word of God. Lion of the tribe of Judah. A lamb that's been slain. The Amen and the bright and morning star. I don't want to miss him. And he's on every page in Revelation. And I also don't want to miss what he not only will do, that we can trust what's coming, but what he's doing right now. We don't want to miss that. But I understand we can stay away because it's confusing, and also we can just stay away because this book is flat-out scary. You read the imagery and the stories of what's coming... And I get it. Maybe we stay away because I don't want to be confronted by that. The people who read this book initially, who heard this word from John who was given to him by the Holy Spirit, they needed this word. And it's interesting to me, in a book that we say is so scary, every other page is worship every other page, confronted by this shocking thing that's going to happen. And then all of heaven worshipped. But then this thing happened, and we could be caught up in the anxiety of that and the fear of that. And then all of heaven worshipped. God is in control. We can trust his providence. We can trust his sovereignty. We can trust his heart. It's worship, worship, worship. Yes, it can be scary. Don't miss it and listen you just read the first word of this book and it's scary what's what's your favorite opening line to a, a novel or a work call me ishmael maybe it's the best of times it's the worst of times right dog big dog little dog no no go dog go people here okay Sarah, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. I watched a lot of football, so I had to get in some Pride and Prejudice with my wife this morning. That's the opening line. What's the first word of this book? It's not how we read it in the English. The first word is apocalypse. And Listen, there was a lot of apocalyptic literature in that day. And there's a whole lot of talk of the apocalypse today. You pick it up, get a good commentary, apocalypse. And it gets scary. And so maybe you avoid it. But we don't want to miss the who. And we don't want to miss what he not only will do someday, but what he will do with us today. We have, we have to dive in. Because, by the way, that word apocalypse, that first word in the book of Revelation is revelation. It really doesn't mean what we think it means. You know what it means. Disclosure. Unveiling. Revealing. Yes, the unveiling and revealing of what's to come. But let me show you Him. See Him in the midst of that. When you and I bump into that fear of thinking of end times or just thinking about what's waiting on us tomorrow. He's on the throne. He is and was Lamb of God for you. He's a merciful God, but he's also the Lion of Judah, and he's on the throne. And so we get this word today. As we, as we, as we are about to share in this holy meal, What, do you, what would you say is the heart of this book? I read different scholars, and they talk about different things. Some people would say, and rightly, I get it, the return of Christ. But many biblical scholars say it's this passage. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's the climax. That's the heart. That's the key point of this book, of what has been won and what is offered to the people of God. Many commentators say it's just simply a meal. And look, we're Methodists. What kind of, it's going to be a covered dish. We know that, right? And I don't know how this works out in heaven. Preachers are still going to be at the back of the line for some reason at that covered dish but the fried chicken's not going to run out anymore by the time I get there. (laughs) Methodists think about food a lot. Listen, you may not typically come to Wednesday night. Come this Wednesday. It's Fair Food Wednesday. Not only are we having a great time at Bible study, some great things are being taught on the Names of God study. I've been in that some. I've been at our table groups. We've had a great time fellowshipping and chewing on the Word together but it's fair food sunday this wednesday. Like right? candy apples, corn dogs. We're going to have a pig sunday. Now I haven't fully Julie tried to describe that to me. I can't describe it. You'll want it though from what I heard's in it. So be here this Wednesday. Make sure to sign up. Meals matter. Meals matter. You read through scripture and there's some scary things that happen in meals. But you also read through scripture And you see, not only is it our shared ministry, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the the 4,000, the ways in which our church, during this pandemic, Brazil's on lockdown, Sao Paulo, one of the largest cities in the world, our church is helping a local church there feed kids where the schools are not happening, they're stuck at home, we have a food ministry through that church. Our church year-round, through our Salt and Light ministry, it has a food program. Our church gave money to the Moody's through this pandemic to do a blessing bag ministry. Our church in the middle of pandemic, who gets near anybody? Our church was routinely going down to the inner city. And I got to see those volunteers just fellowship with and bless those at our Why Not Now ministry. If you're wrestling with addiction, there's a good chance you're alone. That you've burned every bridge, but you come to our celebrate recovery on Tuesday nights, and there's a table a table of meals and a table of fellowship. What a ministry that we have as a church, and it's this imagery we get from Revelation 19. This this reminder from Revelation 3 that we serve a God who stands at the door and knocks, and if we'll respond to that, He'll not just meet with us, but what, what does He say? I want to sup with you. I want to have table fellowship with you. And not only that, but it's this reminder today on World Communion Sunday where we remember our connection with believers all around the world, God not only is restoring this this imagery of I'll be at the table with you. Listen, there's pictures throughout Scripture of us missing that. Pictures of an older son who won't go to the table because he's out of relationship with his Father, because of that prodigal son. But God's saying, yes, you're out. But because of the lamb who was slain, you can be at my table forever. And not just you. It's a reminder here as we gather at this table. We're gathering with Christ's followers all over the world. And we're anticipating that day when that day when fellowship is never broken, that day when we're at the table with God and with each other, you'll hear me say in our, in our preparation uh, this morning to come to this table, this reminder again that we're looking to that day. That day where we will be with God and He will be with us and we will all be together. The people who first heard this word. They needed it. This is a church that is taking it on the chin and they're about to take it on on the chin in ways we can't even fathom. Christ is on the throne. Christ is working. Christ will be with you. But he's coming back too. And he's going to make all things new. You with him and all of us together. There are many reasons to come to this altar rail this morning, and again, we're going to come to the communion rail, altar rail. I'm going to ask you to spread out a little bit with people you're, you don't, you're not doing life with. But when you come, you can stand or you can kneel. But when you come, maybe you do need to come with confession and, and, and to get some things right with God and receive his grace anew. Maybe you need to come and just praise him. Maybe you need to come and say, Lord, in this meal would you nourish me? But also for what's waiting tomorrow or this week. Would you come and receive that hope again that, as we share in this meal, it's partly a sign. In it, we proclaim Jesus' death. What did Paul say to the church in Corinth? Until he comes again. He's coming again. We have a hope. To turn our hearts to that hope, uh, we're going to hear this word again before we receive the invitation. So would you hear this word from Revelation 19. And from the throne, and from the throne came a voice that said, "Praise our God, all of, all of, all His servants, all who fear Him, from the least to the greatest." And then then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of a mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to Him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. Amen. Thank you. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek to live in peace with one another. On the night of which Christ gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke that bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, drink of this all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray together. Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup.